You're listening to the Fueled and Free podcast. I'm your host, Margaret, a holistic nutritionist, bringing you real talk and thought-provoking conversations on food, the wellness world, women's health topics, and life. Remember, the information shared in this podcast is not to be taken as individual or medical advice. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is the episode where we talk about protein. Protein is having a minute on social media right now, which I'm thrilled about. I'm happy to see so many health accounts, fitness, nutrition, wellness influencers pushing the protein agenda. I feel like for a while, the big discussion on food was surrounding carbs. When keto was super, super popular, everything was about like low carb diet versus eating a normal amount of carbs and what carbs and carbs, carbs, carbs. And now the focus is protein. I don't want you to just eat protein because some influencer tells you to eat protein. I want you to understand a little bit more of the why behind it. So we're going to talk about the why. Um, Hint, hint, it's not just about building muscle and helping you lean out. I also want to share some real deal tips and strategies, things that I incorporate, I have my clients incorporate to help meet your protein goals. Because if you do want to eat a high protein diet, I'm talking a protein intake that's more than 100 grams a day. You have to have a plan to do that. Otherwise, I'd say most people struggle to even hit 100 grams a day. We're also going to discuss how much should you be eating? How do we calculate that? Signs that you're not eating enough protein, the difference between plant-based protein versus animal protein, and common mistakes that I see people make when they up their protein. So buckle up and let's go. So first off, why protein? First of all, protein builds muscle and repairs tissues. It also gives us enzymes to help us digest our food. It helps maintain our immune system. It gives you energy. It aids in bone and muscle development. Studies have demonstrated that higher protein diets can help spare lean muscle mass during weight loss, which is really, really important because, hello, we don't want to be skinny fat. Skinny fat is the phenomena that happens when you go on a diet or you up your exercise and you lose weight on the scale. But when you aesthetically look in the mirror or how your clothes fit, aesthetically, your composition is not where you want it to be. And that often happens when you lose muscle mass instead of losing fat. So that's people that like the scale goes down, but you still have like a flabby belly or your arms still are really flabby and you're just kind of like, oh, why am I not losing weight where there's fat, right? That is because you're losing lean muscle mass more so than fat. And I will say naturally when you go to improve your body composition and you aim to lose some weight, it is common to lose muscle along the way. It's very, very difficult to just put your body into fat burning mode. A little bit of muscle mass loss is common but we want to lose more fat than muscle. And so having a higher protein diet is going to really help keep you in more fat burning mode versus burning your lean muscle mass. It also helps improve how your body regulates blood sugar. It can increase your intestinal calcium absorption, which we see this on hair testing a lot with our clients where they have low calcium. And that can be a byproduct of digestion, not absorbing it properly in the digestive tract, which protein helps you do. 
hormones. Let's talk about what it does to our hormones as women and for men. But proteins are involved in the synthesis of hormones that not only regulate your metabolism, but your menstrual cycle. They provide the essential amino acids necessary for hormones like estrogen and progesterone. When I talk about essential amino acids, this is really important to understand here, and I'll explain why. So essential amino acids, your body cannot produce on its own. You have to get it through your food. Um, They serve as building blocks for your body. So they play a role in many metabolic processes, but specifically muscle synthesis, your immune system, hormone production. They also help your liver detoxify. So this is where I see if people are not eating enough animal protein or they're not eating enough essential amino acids in their diet, their liver struggles to detoxify. And when the liver struggles to detoxify, you start to see a buildup of estrogen in the body. So a lot of estrogen dominance types of symptoms can pop up for women and for men. Estrogen dominance can look like bloating, waking, hormonal headaches, acne, difficulty losing weight, lots of PMS. And you also will see other issues like if your liver is not detoxing well, that can create an environment that goes hand in hand with gut pathogens. That's where gut health issues start to pop up for people. Sometimes your skin breaks out and you can link all of that back to just not eating enough protein, which is such a simple foundational thing to do. But we can really see where if we're chronically under eating on protein for a long time, it affects so many aspects of your metabolism. I just listed off like 10 different health issues that can pop up from one thing that we don't do, right? So since your body cannot create these amino acids on its own, we have to get in dietary sources like meat, dairy, eggs, and even certain plant-based foods can help us hit that goal. The key here is a balanced diet that includes a variety of protein sources to hit all of your different essential amino acids. There are nine different types of amino acids and different protein sources have different types of amino acids. So some protein sources are going to be considered complete sources of protein, meaning that they have all nine of those essential amino acids Whereas other protein sources, specifically, you see this with plant-based foods, um, they don't have all of the essential amino acids. They are considered incomplete proteins, okay? The key here, though, is variety, meaning you don't want your protein sources to always come from the same few foods. So if you're the girl or the guy that eats the same rotation of food all the time, you wake up and you're like, yep, we're doing the egg white omelet with some cheese and a slice of sourdough and some fruit or whatever. And for lunch, it's grilled chicken. And for dinner, it's, you know, it's this kind of have that rotation of like, we're the chicken and eggs and yogurt and a protein shake. Um, And you're not rotating in different types of protein. You might find that you're still going to be lacking in some of those essential amino acids. So for example, like bone broth, Bone broth is a great source of protein, and it's really high in certain amino acids like glycine and proline, which help your body make collagen. And so that's why bone broth is known to be really beneficial for your bone health, for your joints, even can be beneficial for your hair, your skin, your nails. It's really healing to the gut. It's good for the immune system. And so you can see where 
incorporating a variety here and taking ourselves out of autopilot with our food. And I get it. I'm a mom. I have two kids. I run a business. My husband runs a business. We just moved. Like life is crazy for us. Our kids are already involved in after school activities. We're trying to make friends here. We're trying to get set up in a new area. It is really easy to just be on autopilot with food. And I'm trying to intentionally think about, all right, how can I incorporate more variety? Um, thankfully for us, now that we're in Florida and we're close to the coast, we've been incorporating more fish and shellfish into our diet than ever before. Um, and so maybe even incorporating some different seafoods in addition to like the standard chicken and eggs and whatever. I'll go through kind of a list of some recommended proteins and ways to up your protein intake. Next, I want to talk about what protein does for our hunger. So if you want to feel more energy, feel more ready to go, add more protein to your meals. Protein stops hunger, so you're not reaching for snacks all the time. It is the most satiating macronutrient that we can eat. Too many carbs and fats without adequate protein will not do the trick to satiate your hunger. Studies show that protein-filled dairy products, like Greek yogurt, for example, and I'll link a study for you in the notes, help stop hunger, improve body composition, and keep you full. Protein reduces cravings. Everyone wants help with cravings. First off, when I have a craving for a snack, I try to head to some of my favorite high-protein snack items. For me, it typically is making a protein powder fruit smoothie. That is my go-to. I have a Nutribullet on my counter. It takes me under five minutes to make a very nutrient-dense smoothie. I understand those of you that are like, I don't like smoothies in the winter. Just don't do a lot of ice. I literally just do raw milk, protein powder, a banana. I'll add in something like bee pollen or sometimes beef liver powder a little bit of frozen berries if I want to. It's not super cold. You can even let, let the milk and the, you know, the frozen berries sit out at room temperature for a little bit before you make the smoothie. And that is extremely satiating and will hold me over if I'm in that point where I'm like, all right, I haven't had a meal in four or five hours. It's I'm getting hungry. Do a protein-based snack. Cottage cheese or Greek yogurt is also another go-to. Protein boosts your metabolism, so it actually has a higher thermic effect than carbs or fats. The thermic effect refers to the increase in energy expenditure that occurs during the digestion, the absorption, and the metabolism of your food, meaning that it takes more energy. Your body's going to burn more calories digesting protein. So obviously, if you eat a steak, it's going to take more energy and calories to burn that steak versus if you have a bag of potato chips, right? Protein is especially important for your cognitive health, your brain health, your mental health. And this is not being talked about nearly enough in the conversation of supporting mental health. So it plays a role in the synthesis of neurotransmitters, which those are chemical messengers in the brain. We're talking dopamine and serotonin, and these are essential for mood regulation, focus, overall feel-good hormones. It plays a role in improving your alertness, your focus, stabilizing blood sugar. I talk about blood sugar in the context of brain health because we are now seeing that cognitive decline neurodegenerative diseases like dementia, Alzheimer's, are now being linked back to poor blood sugar regulation. In fact, this is something that 
runs in my family. My grandmother had dementia and her brother had dementia. We have, I have an aunt right now um, that's navigating the beginning stages of dementia. It runs in my family. So I am very, I've been doing a lot of reading and digging and searching on what is the driver behind this cognitive decline that people are getting diagnosed with younger and younger. My grandmother was in her late 70s when she really got an official diagnosis for this. But now we're hearing of people getting diagnosed with dementia in their 50s, which is just crazy to think about. And it is now being labeled as type 3 diabetes, diabetes of the brain. And so protein, I talked about this earlier, but it helps stabilize blood sugar levels by slowing down the absorption of glucose. And so keeping that blood sugar in a more steady range versus having highs and lows and that kind of up and down roller coaster of blood sugar can really prevent energy crashes and major fluctuations, which in turn can sustain mental energy and focus because your brain needs healthy levels of blood sugar to function properly. Plays a big role in memory function. Protein is involved in the formation of brain connections, neural connections, the maintenance of synaptic plasticity, which is crucial for learning and memory. Plays a role in mood regulation, which I talked about earlier with amino acids. Amino acids are the precursors to the neurotransmitters that influence your mood. It's helpful for reducing fat accumulation in the liver, which we are seeing more non-alcoholic fatty liver disease being diagnosed in otherwise healthy individuals, and it can reduce cholesterol. So what are some signs that you are lacking in protein? Number one, I would say your wounds are slow to repair and heal. So this is the person that you cut yourself and that cut just kind of lingers for a while. Your hands and feet are swollen. You are moody. You are weak or extra fatigued, not having enough energy to get through the day, often hungry. Your hunger cues are all over the place, lots of cravings. Your hair and nails are brittle and your skin is flaky, even dry scalp. You get sick often and stay sick longer than you're used to. Um, That's like the person that gets the cold and it just doesn't go away. It takes a long time to recover. Now we're going to dive in and discuss how much protein should you eat? How much protein specifically does a woman need? The recommended daily allowance, the RDA for protein, I mean, this was discussed at the Washington Protein Summit, is 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. And this was based on adults of the average age of 19 years old. So if you weigh, for example, 145 pounds, if you multiply 0.8 kilograms times 65.77 kilograms, I literally had to type that into Google to get the conversion. I should know this uh, because I, when I used to do CrossFit, all the weights were in kilos, which is one pound is 2.2 kilograms. So basically, you multiply 0.8 times 65.77, and you get a whopping 52 grams of protein per day, according to the RDA, which is absolutely nothing. It's clearly not enough protein. Um, Just to give you some context, three ounces of chicken, okay, three ounce piece of chicken is roughly 28 grams. Three ounces of steak is 26 grams, which is a a normal-sized portion. Most people... If you're eating a normal adult-sized portion of food, you're probably going to have three to four ounces of of meat at your meal. 
six ounces of Greek yogurt is 18 grams. That's the average size of a Greek yogurt container. So if you're grabbing like Siggy's Greek yogurt, they're usually around like 15 to 18 grams of protein. It is worth noting that the RDA is not intended to represent an optimal or maximal level, but rather it's a baseline to prevent deficiency. And that's for all the RDAs. When they make recommendations of how much fiber you should be eating a day or how many milligrams of magnesium is needed in your diet or selenium, different minerals, it is the bare minimum to avoid what is considered a deficiency. And I don't know about you. Uh, I don't want to just be at a place in my health where I am not deficient or, oh, I don't have a diagnosed disease. I got to tell you, I've worked with quite a few people that they are not diagnosed with a disease, but their health is beyond subpar. They are not optimal. They don't feel good. And so, yeah, from a lab standpoint, blood work, you know, you're like, okay, this person's considered healthy, but they're not healthy, right? They're not thriving. They're not living their best life. I want to live more than just, you know, mediocrity. I want to be optimal. I want to be thriving. I want to have energy. I want to get stuff done and show up for the things important to me. I think anyone listening to this feels the same way. So take the RDA with a grain of salt, okay? If you're wanting to have a vibrant metabolism, healthy body fat, lean muscle mass, you want to be strong, you want to be able to carry all those groceries in on both hands. You know how like you go to, I did a Walmart pickup the other day. Yes, we've been doing grocery pickup at Walmart lately. They actually have a really decent selection of organic foods and it's way cheaper than Publix. Food is so expensive down here. It's been a little bit of an adjustment and they gave me a million plastic bags of groceries and I happened to be, no one else was home to help with the groceries. It was literally just me and I backed my car up to the driveway, to the garage, and I swear there were 25 bags and I like slowly accumulated all the bags together and equally distributed both of those bags, you know, one set in each arm and I farmer carried an entire cart worth of groceries into my house and lifted them up on the kitchen counter. That is functional fitness at its finest, okay? Being able to lift something and put it on the top shelf of your closet, right? Um, being able to step up off of the ground and not need to hold on to yourself. These are just functional fitness things that require muscle to do. And guess what? You don't build muscle out of thin air. You need protein. So you're physically active and you're not a sedentary individual. You don't sit around all day and you want to have energy and not have a lot of cravings and be able to go more than two and a half, three hours without needing to eat another meal, you need to aim for a minimum of 0.8 grams per pound of your ideal body weight. So if you're a little overweight, if you're like, you know, I'd like to lose, what is the ideal weight for your height and your age? Um, there's a difference between what your goal weight is and what is realistic for you. And so if you know, like, yes, I, I should lose 15, 20 pounds, or I could lose 10 pounds, adjust that based on that number. Um, and so you're going to multiply 0.8 grams times your ideal body weight, and that is how many grams of protein you should aim for. So if you are 150 pounds, multiply 0.8, and your goal is to hit 120 grams of protein. You want to split that up between 
your three main meals. And I would consider adding in a snack at some point. For me, I do a mid-afternoon snack around three o'clock. It's kind of that halfway point between lunch and dinner. I typically make a protein shake or I will pair a protein shake to working out. So in the morning when I wake up, if I'm going to the gym first thing in the morning, I typically am doing a protein shake right before the workout. On the way to the gym, I'm drinking that. And then I have a breakfast after that workout. Within an hour of my workout, I aim to replenish my body with protein, carbs, and fat. So I find that if you're trying to hit 120 grams of protein, 150, you know, that that higher amount, you need to eat more than three meals a day. It's just, if you're trying to hit 120 grams of protein, that's 40 grams at breakfast, 40 at lunch, 40 at dinner. And I think that is a little difficult for people to do without intention and planning, especially if you're a person that doesn't love eating meat or your appetite's not quite there. You might need to buffer with some snacks, okay? There is a level of trial and error here. I personally try to get in all of my protein by like 7 p.m. I am finding that if I eat after 8 o'clock at night, it affects my sleep. It affects my blood sugar overnight. I know this because I track my sleep with my aura ring and my sleep score is worse when I eat too close to bedtime and I'm in bed by 10 o'clock. Usually I'm asleep by 10 o'clock. So I have to cut off eating by no later than eight o'clock. Um, and so I'm trying to get all of my protein in and my nutrients for the day by 8 p.m. To add more protein to your plate, increase the size of your protein. So like if you're doing chicken breast, increase the size of that food. I would try to eat that food first before filling up on like if you're, let's say for dinner, you're doing grilled chicken and air fryer potatoes. I love potatoes in the air fryer. I think they're like probably my favorite side dish right now. And let's say you're doing like some green beans, like just a basic American decent quality meal, right? Or you're doing steak and air fryer potatoes and a salad, right? Some carrots, whatever. Try to eat the steak first before uh, loading up on the on the starches and the carbs. Not that the starches and carbs are bad, but there's also a lot that shows that starting your meal with protein first is better for your blood sugar than if you were to save your protein for the end of the meal. Now, if you are in a place where you're pretty physically active, you want to lose some fat, you really want to build muscle, you're like, I want to be strong and lean out, I lift weights, I go to the gym, you're that pretty physically active person, I would bump up to one gram per pound of your body weight, your ideal body weight a day. So if you are, if your ideal body weight is 150 pounds, your goal for protein would be 150 grams per day. Okay. It's a lot of protein. It's totally possible. I'll discuss how you can kind of get there. I want to quick talk about though, what are the best sources of protein? Um, what about protein powder? How do I hit this higher protein intake? I would be careful about the protein powders and the protein shakes. There's a lot of pre-mixed protein shakes out there now. Uh, Fairlife, um, Orgain. Oh my gosh, there's so many now. Muscle Milk is another one that I've seen. And uh, I don't know. I have such mixed feelings on this. I'm a protein powder person myself. I get in a serving of protein powder every single day. 
So my serving equals out to about 25 to 30 grams of protein a day. I am not a fan of replacing meals with protein powders. Maybe short term, if you're in a season of wanting to really go into a calorie deficit um, and you're really kind of fine tuning your macros, maybe you're kind of cutting your fat a little bit, trying to cut back on the calories. Short term, you're like, you want to swap out breakfast for a protein shake or lunch for a protein shake. I'm okay with that short term. But people that do that ongoing, not a fan. Um, I just think it's really hard to meet your nutrient intake for the day by doing a protein shake, especially if you're doing the pre-mixed ones that you grab from the grocery store. I also don't like that a lot of the pre-mixed protein shakes at the grocery store, like Fairlife is the one I'm thinking of, Muscle Milk. They have a lot of synthetic added crap, a lot of synthetic forms of vitamins. Some of them have iron added to it vitamin D added, calcium added. I'm just not a fan of all the extra really high dosages of vitamins too, like far beyond what's a normal amount that you would need in a day. Um, There's also a lot of gums and thickeners and fake sweeteners. Again, I am not perfect over here with this. I'm not going to tell you to like never have something with fake sweetener and avoid all of the gums. And I'm not a purist when it comes to nutrition. If we're on the go and I'm in a pinch and I need protein, I have no shame on someone that grabs a Fairlife chocolate protein shake from the grocery store, right? I would rather see you chug a protein shake after you've had a long day taking care of your kids or doing your thing and you're hungry and you're on your way home from the grocery store. We've all been there and you're like, I'm so hungry. I don't even know what we're making for dinner. I just finished grocery shopping. Your day has been a hot mess. I'd rather you drink the chocolate protein shake off of the shelf than go hungry and let your blood sugar drop and then you get a headache and you feel like crap. Like, you know, I I think we have to like just not be so perfectionist here. And this is what the nutrition world, it gets super frustrated with. There's just like this very purist mentality. I don't subscribe to that. Sorry. Um, That's just me. Maybe someone can appreciate that about me out there. but. Yes, ideally, you're doing a high-quality protein powder if you're going to do protein powder. So what I would look for is if you're going to do a protein powder, I personally prefer whey. Whey protein um, is a complete protein, so you have all the essential amino acids in it. There is also casein, C-A-S-E-I-N, protein powder. The difference between whey versus protein is the types of amino acids. So whey technically contains more branch chain amino acids like leucine, isoleucine, and valine, while casein contains a larger portion of different amino acids like histidine, methionine, phenylalanine. I probably just pronounced that wrong. These just have a different um, way in which they work in the body. I have found that casein protein is a little heavier When I do casein protein, which I do have an unflavored casein protein powder that I like to do almost like a chocolate milk, and it is often recommended to drink before bed. And the reason why is the amino acids and the components of casein metabolize longer in your body. So A, it'll make you feel fuller longer. It is definitely a heavier protein powder, but it can work to repair and grow muscles over a longer period of time. And so the hope is that it helps to 
aid in recovery and reduce muscle breakdown while you sleep. It's kind of a hack that a lot of people in like the bodybuilding, you know, muscle building world, the fitness world do is they'll do casein at night. But both whey and casein are derived from dairy. So they are a dairy-based protein powder. And some people do have a harder time digesting these types of protein powders. They don't always agree with everyone. Back in the day, I could not really tolerate whey protein powder either. Um, It would sit in my stomach. It would make me super bloated, gassy. I had a lot of gut issues stemming back from being on birth control. I think birth control is the thing that made me lactose intolerant. And so for me, working on my gut health is what helped me be able to digest dairy again. And now I can tolerate whey protein, casein protein, all dairy really with minimal issues. But quality is really key here too. And so there is an aspect of maybe needing to, you know, choose a higher quality product. I'm not a fan of buying your cheap protein powders from the grocery store. So what I look for in a protein powder is something that is grass-fed, specifically pretty high quality when you're getting a grass-fed protein powder, meaning that it's coming from grass-fed cows. You really want to try to avoid the seed oils. So try to avoid protein powders that have canola, vegetables, sunflower, soy added, the artificial flavors. Again, There's an aspect of this where you have to evaluate, you know, if you're doing a protein shake every single day, yes, I do think you should be more um, stringent on what the ingredients are. If a protein shake is something you're only doing once or twice a week and it's not a frequent thing, maybe you don't feel as called to have the highest quality. The two brands that I really like for whey protein powder are from, well, one's from ProMix. They make a vanilla, Madagascar vanilla I really like. They have a Dutch cocoa I really like. They have an unflavored protein powder. And also Equip. Equip makes grass-fed beef protein, and they have a lot of different flavors. And Just Ingredients. Just Ingredients has some awesome protein powders. It's been a hot minute since I have tried any of theirs. I did like their strawberries and cream a while ago. They have so many good flavors now. Some of my clients are really into the just ingredients. I would say they're probably more kid-friendly too with some of those fun different ingredients. Next, I'm going to talk real quick about pea protein. This is for the people that have a hard time digesting dairy. I want to tell you that, yes, there are some options out there for you. If you're like, I can't do a dairy-based protein, what do we do? Um, Pea protein can be a great alternative option, but you have to be careful on quality. Um, And this is where quality is really key. In fact, I would say there has been some controversy surrounding pea protein, and that is because they are grown in a way very similar to soybeans. Um, They're often farmed in operations that use harsh agrochemicals like herbicides, uh, like glyphosate specifically. You have to really make sure that you are buying a protein powder, specifically the pea protein powder that comes from crops that have not been sprayed with glyphosate. Glyphosate is, it's terrible, okay? I can link a million articles on why we don't want to eat foods that have been sprayed with glyphosate. And so the other thing I would add too is I've come across a lot of articles saying that there can be heavy metals in certain protein powders too. In fact, plant-based protein powders can tend to have higher heavy metal burden than animal-based protein powders. Um, This is kind of something that's gone under the radar here, but more people are whistleblowing about it, more 
you know, third party companies are taking the time to test. Like there's a there's a specific website you can go to called cleanlabelproject.org. And this is a company that looked at 53 of the most leading brands and tested them for heavy metals and BPA, specifically protein powders. And 75% had measurable levels of lead. Specifically, you saw twice the amount of lead per serving in plant-based protein. So I would say if you cannot tolerate whey or casein, maybe just skip protein powder. However, I have heard, I haven't personally tried it, but it's really well-reviewed. It's not cheap. It is a pricier um, protein powder, but it is made with only six ingredients. It's USDA organic, non-GMO, and that's the brand Truvani. And it's available on Amazon. You can probably buy it direct. They have it in chocolate. I believe they have quite a few different flavors. Um, Again, it is a pricey protein powder. I feel like a lot of the high quality ones are. Um, I'm looking on Amazon right now. 20 servings is $33. So, you know, it's a little pricey. But, uh, you know, you vote with your dollars there. And everyone has to decide for themselves what they feel comfortable doing. So I want to list through some of my go-to high sources of protein or how I throw different protein snacks and tools. You know, what do I do to hit my protein goals, right? So first off, I am a big fan of a high-protein breakfast. I typically will do eggs and egg whites because if I want to get 30 grams of protein at breakfast just through eggs, I'd have to eat like four eggs and that is just too many eggs for me. And it's also a lot of fat, right? And you also have to keep in mind that you're cooking those eggs in butter. And maybe I'm having a slice of toast with butter. And so before I go into the list of proteins, that's another mistake that I see people make when they are upping their protein is they're not paying attention to how much fat they're eating. And so certain proteins can be really high in fat. If you're eating a lot of like, you know, hamburger meat or breakfast sausage, chicken sausage, eggs, certain types of cheeses, you can really rack up how much fat you're eating. So protein, you get four calories per gram. Fat is nine calories per gram. So don't just look at, you know, if you're making Applegate Farms chicken sausage for breakfast, which is one of my favorites, and it's pretty clean. You know, you have to look at not just how much protein you're intaking there, but how many grams of fat. You got to be careful if you're not paying attention. You can rack up a lot of calories and fat really quick if you're only tracking protein and you're not paying attention to your fat. That's where people can get frustrated where they up their protein intake and they gain weight during the process. And you're like, what the heck? I'm hitting a lot of protein and now I'm gaining weight. And it's like, well, yeah, you're, you know, not watching your fats. So just be mindful of that. I personally try to get my fats through certain things. Like if I'm going to do fat, I want it to be butter on my toast, right? Or a, a sweet like yogurt, not yogurt, um, ice cream. I do have ice cream with my family. Not a lot, but we'll hit up ice cream together as a family. And there's a lot of fat and carbs and ice cream. There is some protein in it too. So personally, like yogurt, When I am buying Greek yogurt, it is almost always 0% fat. It's a fat-free yogurt, high protein, because I'm getting my fats elsewhere. I'm getting my fats through breakfast sausage, through eggs, through cheese. I really like cheese. I don't go crazy with it, but 
I like to, for example, I had like a a chicken rice bowl this afternoon with black beans and I put some shredded cheese on the top and I put a little bit of ranch on the side. And it was a super high protein satiating meal. Another thing that I would recommend is cottage cheese. You can incorporate cottage cheese even in with scrambled eggs, believe it or not. And that's a great way to hit your protein goal. Poultry. So obviously, you know, your chicken, uh, lamb, beef, fatty fish. We do shellfish down here in Florida now. Now that we have access to stuff so easily, which is awesome. Beef sticks. I like grass-fed beef sticks. Chomps beef sticks are great. Thrive Market sells beef sticks that are pretty high quality collagen powder. So in the morning when I do my breakfast, I often will make a cup of coffee with my breakfast and I put a scoop of Perfect Supplements collagen powder in there. Collagen powder is not a complete protein source, so it is lacking some essential amino acids, but it is a decent way to bridge the gap. You get about 10 grams of protein in a single scoop. Um, I probably get in one scoop of collagen powder a day. Um, another thing you could do is make gelatin gummies. I will link in the notes a recipe for gelatin gummies, but gelatin is also really high in certain amino acids like glycine, I think arginine, if I remember correctly, leucine. And these are amino acids that are really healing to the gut. They help improve collagen production, which helps with your skin, your nails, your joints. Bone broth, drink a mug of bone broth with dinner or as a snack midday, especially in these winter months, if where you're living, it's chillier. Bone broth can be a really warming, nourishing, yummy way to um, get in more nutrients. It's good for your gut. It's low in calories. You get a decent amount of protein in there. As far as hitting your protein goals, you have to have a plan. So whether you decide to meal prep and you set aside time once or twice a week, and you look at, all right, I, I know that I'm going to have chicken with a few meals, or maybe you get packets of tuna fish, a good quality tuna fish. I don't eat a ton of tuna, but I typically do keep a couple of packets of tuna in my pantry for the days where I've been on work calls or I've been busy. And I come downstairs and I'm like, oh, okay, what are we having for lunch? We don't have any leftovers. Tuna to the rescue, right? Make enough food when you cook dinner for leftovers the next day. If you're eating a Caesar salad with a little bit of protein for lunch, it's just probably not going to be enough to help you get there. And so it does take some intention there. I, like I said, I'm a big fan of picking out one snack a day where you're doing like either a protein powder smoothie or some of my snacks incorporate the Greek yogurt. So either it's a protein shake or it's Greek yogurt or cottage cheese. And I typically will drizzle on like some fresh fruit or raw honey. Even a little bit of maple syrup can be super helpful. If you're not eating dairy, you might find it harder to hit a higher protein intake. It is just going to take some intentionality and planning. I would say that people that can eat things like yogurt, cheeses, things like that, um, tend to have a better time meeting their protein goals. But a lot of it does just require setting time aside to make a bunch of stuff and have it on hand. If you have access to Costco or one of those types of places, Costco specifically has done a really good job at providing some easy to grab protein options like they had pre-portioned 
chicken bites in the frozen section. I remember they had like organic grilled chicken strips that was easy to just pull out a bunch and, you know, throw them in the air fryer and have that with your lunch or on a salad or even throw in some broth and add some potatoes and some veggies and you have yourself a little soup. You know, you got to get creative sometimes. But I also wanted to talk about plant protein because there are other ways to get your protein intake without just eating meat and dairy, right? And cheese. However, I will say animal proteins are going to be considered more optimal than plant proteins due to their complete amino acid profile. So your animal sources have all those amino acids. Plant-based sources do provide essential amino acids, but many of them lack all of the amino acids. So meaning that if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you are going to have a really hard time hitting that essential amino acid, that complete amino acid profile that's needed. Additionally, I would say animal proteins tend to be more easily absorbed and utilized by the body. We also know that plant proteins tend to have more anti-nutrients. So plant-based foods, some of them contain anti-nutrient factors, meaning that they block your body's ability to absorb the nutrients in the food. Specifically, I'm talking about things like phytates, lignans, tannins, oxalates. These can bind to the minerals and proteins in the plant, reducing their absorption in the body, meaning you're going to get less bioavailability of nutrients from plant proteins. I remember I saw a graphic a little while back. I cannot remember where I saw it. It was probably on Instagram. And it was a side-by-side comparison of how much steak you have to eat to hit bioavailability of like, all right, if I'm trying to hit 25 grams of protein, how much volume of steak do I have to eat versus if I'm trying to hit 25 grams of protein through beans or legumes or, you know, your kind of plant-based proteins. Specifically, you'll find legumes are going to be your highest source of plant-based proteins. And in addition, tofu, uh, chia seeds are really high in protein, sprouted whole grain bread, believe it or not, quinoa, hemp seeds, um, peanut butter powder. I will say peanut butter powder added to smoothies is another way to up your protein intake. Oats have some protein, nutritional yeast, lentils. So, you know, there are some decent options for plant-based foods. But again, if that's all you're eating, you're going to have deficiencies. Just, it's just, it's a fact. But I wanted to get back to that graphic I was talking about and the volume of plant-based proteins that you have to eat to achieve the same amount of nutrients that you would get or even protein intake that you would get in a piece of steak. It's it's a lot more volume of food that you have to eat. And that's a complaint that a lot of people in the plant-based community express is they feel like they're always hungry. And that's speaking from experience. I went plant-based in 2019 to 2020. I had about a six-month stint there where I at first was experimenting and then I went all in. I even had my husband do it with me partially did it with the kids. We switched the kids to like coconut milk at that point, which I so regret because they ended up having a lot of dental issues when we stopped giving them as much dairy. And anyways, I digress. I felt like I was always hungry. I was constantly eating. Now, some other common mistakes I see people make when they increase protein. I already touched on not paying attention to fat, 
I also want to touch on the fiber component. So often when people are increasing their protein, because protein is more filling, you might find that if you were previously eating one egg for breakfast and avocado toast, right? That's a common breakfast that I see people eat like, oh yeah, I do avocado toast with a fried egg on top. Not enough protein. And so if all of a sudden you're bumping up from like six grams of protein, 12 grams of protein a day to let's say 30 grams of protein, which is a minimum I'd like to see you eating at breakfast. If you're one of my clients listening, you are going to find that you're not going to have as much room in your appetite for other types of foods like fiber rich foods. And so in an effort to get in your protein intake, sometimes people forget to pay attention to fiber. And this is going to cause a lot of digestive issues. If you are not getting enough fiber and you're eating a lot of protein, you may notice that you get more constipated. And this is something that's happened to me. I'll be super honest. I have absolutely had this happen to me. Um, And so we know fiber plays a major role in keeping your bowel movements more regular and preventing constipation. We also know that fiber plays a role in weight management. There is a huge association between those who have a higher fiber intake and more lean muscle mass, lower body fat percentage. It's important for blood sugar control. So soluble fiber can help regulate your blood sugar levels by slowing down the absorption of glucose. In the perfect world, if I could build the perfect, most beautiful plate of food for you for your lunch, I would start your meal with a source of fiber. So maybe we would do like a shredded carrot salad and some chopped up steamed beets. Maybe that sounds gross to some people. I love beets. Or maybe it would look like um, a lentil quinoa salad with some chopped veggies in there and you have like a lemon vinaigrette dressing. Oh my gosh, I'm like, I need to go make that. I have been thinking about this lentil quinoa salad that I really want to make. And so in the perfect world, you would like start with this fiber rich part of your meal first, then your protein, and then you save your starches and your carbs for last. Okay. Maybe you have an apple at the end of your meal or whatever, some potatoes or whatever. Okay. Um, Fiber is also really important for heart health. We know that it helps lower your risk of cardiovascular disease. It can help lower cholesterol, reduce blood sugar. Really important for the gut. Go listen to the last episode, Gut Health 101 Part 2. I had a whole section on fiber. It's timestamped, so you can just fast forward the episode right to that section. Go listen to that. If you're really wanting to understand how to get more fiber in your diet, I spell it all out in that episode. Um, But at a minimum, I would aim for 25 grams per day. I would say at a minimum, the goal is 25. I would aim for 30 to 35 grams per day. This is where you might need to track for a little bit. Um, I just had a call with a client today that has really been diligent on upping her protein. And one thing she said to me is, yeah, my bowel movements are not getting better. We're on a gut protocol. We're working on cleaning out some bacteria and she's getting constipated and she's frustrated and I don't blame her. So I'm like, all right, you're tracking your food. This is a client that loves tracking her macros, which is awesome. I love that for her. And she said that she ate like five grams of fiber yesterday and 10 grams the day before. And this is not to shame her and call her out. This is very, very common. 
It's extremely common because she's trying to hit 140 grams of protein a day. And so she's probably not hungry for a bunch of fiber-rich foods. And so this is where, you know, you do have to be mindful about that. Chia seeds are high in fiber, avocado, apple, berries, broccoli, lentils, flaxseed, throw some flaxseed in a smoothie, Um, add in some whole grains like brown rice, quinoa, barley is really high in protein. And don't forget to increase your water intake. So if you're increasing your fiber, you'll also want to up the water. Fiber pulls more water into your stool, which is one reason why it helps with stool consistency. And so if you're not hydrated, the stools can tend to be more bulky and hard to pass. Okay, I hope that was not too much poop talk for you today. But, you know, it's it, this is a really important key piece here to rounding out a well-balanced meal, all right? Anyways, I'm going to wrap up this episode now and feel free to check out the show notes for additional links and resources. If you need strategic help on tweaking your diet, maybe you have some of the different symptoms that I talked about earlier, signs of a sluggish metabolism, you're just like, I don't feel optimized. I could do better. I want some help. Our six-month one-on-one program is open and we are bringing on clients for the new year now, which is awesome. We didn't take on clients for a hot minute there at the end of 2023. We took a little bit of a break. So we are back and you can go to www.fueledandfree.com for information on that. As always, please email us, fueledandfreepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or come say hi on Instagram. And please subscribe, leave a review if you like the episode, text this episode to your friend that's not eating enough protein, and let's get our friends up in the protein, all right? I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Fueled and Free podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Learn more at margaretannpowell.com and follow me on Instagram at margaretannpowell.com.